Good morning, beautiful people. Welcome to my channel, Rahu and Ketu Study Part Ten. Now, this is one of my favorite axes of Rahu and Ketu. Why? Because these are the secrets of the Earth. I have seen so many people, so many charts which have come to my attention, seeking a kind of a guidance, so to speak, light worker community, who talk about this axis, and they have a dominant axis of Rahu and Ketu in this Mula Arthra. Right <clears throat> now, Mula and Ardra first of all are falling in Sagittarius and Gemini. Remember, these are two dual signs. So, dual signs have a quality, Sagittarius and Gemini, of having being in two minds. They are trying to understand, grasp, and work with duality itself—the good and the bad, the right and the wrong. Is this the right thing to do? Is that the Another opposing views. For example, one person says, "No, I believe this is right." Another person says, "No, I believe this is right." And these people who have this kind of an axis are trying to get to the bottom of it. You see, they are trying to get to which one works, which one is applicable, which one do I select? Given the two options, given the two opposing views of different communities on Earth. What is the right ideology? What should I follow? What is good for the earth? What is good for humanity? What is being human? Right? Ardra is a very manushagana. It's about humanness. First, we need to understand humanity. First, we need to understand human. That's the purpose of studying Rahu and Ketu. What are we as embodied human beings as in this human form? What do we? Come here on this planet Earth to accomplish and do in the short lifetimes that we have. This axis is beautiful, and it is common, very common, in light workers, sensitives, empaths, healers, people who are spiritually inclined, people who want to dig deep into the aspects of what is right, what is the right path to take in life, in my personal life. So. As usual, I will leave the Rahu and Ketu introduction. Go through that. If you have gone through the previous one, skip that part. Go to the presentation part. Okay, let's get right into it. So, number one, the classical characteristics of Rahu and Ketu, as described by the classical Vedic literature. Okay, what is Rahu and Ketu? These are the north and the south nodes of the moon, formed by the virtual points which. Are the intersection points between orbit of the moon around the Earth and orbit of the Earth around the Sun. So basically, if you take two eclipses, ellipses, it will form two intersection points. Yeah. So these two intersection points are called the North Node and the South Node. They are virtual nodes, although they behave like planets, and we shall see why in a minute. So who is Rahu? The symbols are there, like a horseshoe and the reverse horseshoe, right? This is typically how it is portrayed in Western astrology. So I'm using the same symbol here. Rahu is mythologically depicted as the severed head of a demon, symbolizing constant, endless, insatiable hunger and appetite, be it sensual or physical. Yet it is unable to hold on to or grasp it. Rahu is the one who constantly wants something. Think of it as a live head only, not the body. Okay. So it can't hold on to anything or be satisfied even if it gets that thing, since it has no arms or body or stomach, right? just a head which is alive. This gives Rahu the title of Bhogakarka, 
or meaning one who is after sensory materialistic pursuits so think any earth sign for example they want sensory materialistic pursuits or think any of the signs literally whatever they are after rahu wants that and wants that very badly and goes after it with everything this is an energy in us by the way it is not a planet it's a virtual node but it will behave like a planet which we shall see why so it is unable to satisfy that hunger or hold on to anything even though it gets something it wants to move on to the next and then to the next and then to the next this is why varahu is also called as the guy who wants foreign things not of the native land or not of what the person is natively born in why because of that insatiable hunger there is always insatiable hunger to go after one thing after the another without being able to hold on to it that's rahu Ketu, on the other hand, is mythologically depicted as the severed body, the remaining half of the demon, symbolizing constant, endless, insatiable search for identity. It is looking for the head, but it doesn't have a head. So it is looking for that identity. Everybody's identity, ego, is centered in the head. What you look like, right? It is also seeking for true purpose, sense of self. As a result of this. it tries to hold and grab on to everything that it can find its hands on because it is god hands ketu has got hands it's trying to hold on to everything but it releases immediately because it knows that's not the head it's like trying to grasp on to everything thinking oh i want this or i am this i am that i am this not getting any identity because it's not finding the head there since it has arms and walks everywhere it goes around through life walking from place to place people situation circumstances but not knowing who or what it is it doesn't have a head this is why ketu is referred to as mokshakaraka or the seeker's path the one energy in us which seeks something that's why ketu is called the mokshakaraka now this is the classical interpretation okay now we shall see how this plays out in the modern interpretation very important to connect the bridges now here you have the rahu ketu general characteristics as modern interpretation this i have borrowed from the book or light on life by robert sowa excellent book i have put it in the community tab if you want to go through it or purchase it and read it i seriously suggest that okay the north node of the moon rahu what does it become because of the characteristics which classically is told in the texts what does rahu lead to in the modern context rahu is responsible for originality individuality independence insight ingenuity inspiration and imagination on the positive side because rahu and ketu both love to explore foreign stuff things out of the box things not taught by tradition rahu and ketu will be anything but traditional okay think of it as something foreign to the culture to the way you are taught things looking for original stuff if there is one singular force that is responsible for creating everything that keep modernizing so to speak thinking out of the box it is this that's why it's important to pay attention to this okay back to this so rahu on the downside becomes leads to confusion escapism neurosis psychosis deception addiction vagueness illusion and delusion this is the downside now how this plays out and why we like to see individually in the charts we will still see that okay ketu ketu the guy with only the body no head there is gives us the feeling of universality impressionability idealism intuition compassion 
spirituality, self-sacrifice, subtleness on the positive side. On the downside, it can lead to eccentricity, fanaticism, explosiveness, violence, unconventionality, amorality, iconoclasm, impulsiveness and emotional tensions. This is on the downside. This is what it plays out and Rahu Ketu is typically an axis like it is shown over there, right? Rahu Ketu, let me remove myself for the time being from that axis, okay? There you are. So you see it as an axis, okay? 180 degrees apart and it can play out in any one of the opposite houses. It can play out in 1, 7, 2, 8, 3, 9, 4, 10, etc, etc. We will see that later. But this axis becomes a definition point of where in your life, in your different houses, are you looking for these two aspects and they are always opposite to each other as you can see. Okay, to stand opposite to each other. So if it plays out in second house, it detaches itself from the eighth house. If Rahu is in second house, it, Ketu will be in the eighth house. You see what I mean? And so you will bring the eighth house aspect with these aspects shown here. Second house with that aspect shown over there. Of course, it plays out with something called as dispositors. We shall see that next. Now, if you go to a traditional Vedic astrology, they will go on and on endlessly about dispositors. What the hell is a dispositor? It's an invented term by the Vedic astrologers. It has no meaning of its own. It shows the disposition. And what's the story on this? Rahu and Ketu both are enemies of the sun and the moon. This is the basic principle. So it has the solar aspect and the lunar aspect. The solar aspect is called the dispositor and the lunar aspect is the nakshatra which gives the entire characteristics and the ball game of Rahu and Ketu. Okay? The solar or the dispositor means since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the sun and do not have a full identity of their own. Remember it's a virtual node. It is not a planet. They both do not have any planetary characteristic individually. So they take on the identity or the disposition of the lord of the zodiac sign that they sit in and borrow the attributes of the house from which that lord sits in. Suppose Mercury is in the third house. Okay. And Rahu sits in the house of Mercury somewhere else. So it will borrow the attributes of Mercury sitting in that third house and bring it to that particular house wherever Rahu is sitting in. Got it? Nakshatras. Since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the moon and do not have a full identity of their own, individually they take on the shade of personality. Nakshatra is essentially a shade of personality. It's coloring of a personality. It's seeing the world through different colored glasses. That they sit in and borrow the nakshatra traits and attributes which color their propensities. So Rahu and Ketu do two things at the same time. At the solar level, it goes with the dispositor, that is all of the planets, physical planets, Mercury, Mars, Venus, Sun, Moon, so on. So they take on the attributes of whichever house they are sitting. If it sits in Rahu sits in Cancer, it will you have to look for where Moon is sitting, which house, and what it is doing there, and even the Moon Nakshatra. If it is sitting in Leo, Rahu in Leo, that means it will, you have to look for where Sun is sitting and which Nakshatra and which house. So it will bring those attributes. That's the way you have to analyze this. Okay. Let's see some aspects of which house they play in and why. 
Now, there are some vital aspects that you keep, need to keep in mind when evaluating Rahu and Ketu because this is important for, especially for people who are sort of looking for self-development to understand where they are coming from. If you are not interested in changing yourself, this entire channel is useless for you. But if you are the one who is interested in knowing what is happening in my life, where do I need to go, what are my talents and you question these kinds of things, excuse the noise somebody is drilling about. So, then you need to understand these aspects. Now that's the typical chart, Indian chart. And house numbers are depicted as 1, 2, 3, 4, up till 12. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha is there. And I have stuck Rahu Ketu as possible axis on the 1, 7. That is Aries and Libra, that is the top and the bottom. So either it can go to house number 1 or 7. Rahu Ketu can be reversed, it's okay, it doesn't matter. Or in 4 and 10. Now 1, 4, 7 and 10 in Vedic Astrology are given very vital importance because they are the foundational aspects that define who you are, that define how you operate in life, throughout life. So these become crucial. Why? The 1, 7 axis effects, if Rahu and Ketu fall on there, has a direct effect on your self and other concept. 1 and 7 is self and other. How you re relate to yourself and how you relate, look at the world around you as others including the spouse because 7th house is the house of the spouse but also others. So how you develop through life and how you develop a relationship with others. So it defines who you are in a very broad sense. 1, 7 axis of Rahu Ketu. The 410 on the other hand, 4th house being the house of the mother, 10th being father, 4th being home, 10th being career. You see this has a, you know all kinds of implications which define who you are. The 410 axis has effects on the heart versus mind. Mind wants to, is the one who goes out there in the world and being used in the career, right? You dissipate your energy as the mind in the external world. Heart is your home, your home center where you feel comfortable. Home is where the heart is, that kind of a thing. So heart and home is affected by this Rahu Ketu axis. Again, Rahu and Ketu might be reversed. Rahu might be in the 4th, Ketu might be in the 10th or vice versa. Same way with 1 and 7. But these are the vital relating aspects of Rahu and Ketu. Now what about the rest of the houses? Now rest of the houses are called Trikona or Kona in Sanskrit. right? These are the things that come and go in your life. Let it be 2nd house, 3rd house, 5th house, 6th, 8th. 9th, 11th, and 12th, these are the things that come and go in our life, through life, through your entire life. These are things that are added into, subtracted from us. But this is not us. 1, 4, 7, and 10 is us. Everything else is secondary, which revolves around you as life comes and goes. All other axes depict what attachments and detachments we have towards different areas of our life. That's all it is. They are less significant in terms of Rahu and Ketu when compared to 1, 7, 4 and 10 axis of Rahu and Ketu. Please remember this. When you are evaluating, you just have more propensity towards one part of life and less towards others. Rahu is attachment, Ketu is detachment. Rahu is expansion, Ketu is reduction. And they stand opposite to each other all this. Right? Now let's take the cases one by one. So as is usual, we start with Mula in Pada 4, where Rahu is. Now Rahu is in Pada 4 of Mula. And Ketu, as you can see, is in 2nd Pada of Ardra Nakshatra. 
which means first order is again dispositors. We are talking about the push and pull energies between Jupiter and Gemini, which is Mercury. The teacher and the student energy. Okay. So here in the fourth pada, it's I have marked in the arrow is Arthato Moksha, <clears throat> which is Gemini to Capricorn and Sagittarius to Cancer. Now understand that Rahu here is Rahu and Ketu in this axis does better in the reverse one, which we shall get to later on. Yeah. However, in this axis, Mula wants to dig deep. What is the theme of Mula Nakshatra? Mool means root in Sanskrit. It wants to get to the root of things to uncover the truth from the lies. Mula is very heavily into uncovering the removing the lies and getting to the truth. The root of a plant is Mula. Ardra, on the other hand, is the Shiva energy which goes up. It is almost like the wisdom of the trees, the wisdom of the forest. Because plants have got an upward direction and roots also. Mula is the root, plant is Ardra. Think of it like that. Okay. So you are talking about uncovering, at a, discovering secrets, uncovering secrets beyond the lies, beyond the stories, beyond the narratives. And these people are experts at that. This Rahu and Ketu wants to do that. This Rahu wants to dig deep. Investigators. They want to investigate the real stuff the fact checkers, the truth tellers. Tell me what the real story is beyond this BS that you are telling me on YouTube or wherever, on Instagram, wherever, on social media. Because this is the day and age where we are right now in humanity. We are trying to uncover all the truths beyond the lies spoken, right? It's all about fact checking. And this access is extremely good, natural at that. It brings in the wisdom from the past life. Ketu is wisdom from the past life, which is Ardra. So it has the consciousness of Shiva in it. So it brings that wisdom and learning powerful because it is sitting in Ardra Nakshatra. It brings in the energy of Capricorn going into Navamsha. So it's even related to Saturn here, which does very well in Ardra, going deep into the roots of things and bringing opposite side which is also a digger so you might say this axis on both ends has got similar themes of digging deep for the truth going beyond duality that's the first pada which is going into cancer so in second stage of life they might be very emotionally driven Rahu. they might be very sensitive to emotion and they might want to bring it towards concrete things of life because Capricorn is sitting in Ketu. Ketu is sitting in Capricorn. Let's see the next Pada. The third Pada which is the Gemini Sagittarius axis. More interesting. Now in the second Pada it goes into the Gemini to Sagittarius and Sagittarius to Gemini dual personality taking a flip later in life now remember one thing as a rule i have seen in charts the most governing principle of rahu and ketu is always the natal chart you might take the navamsha also which i am discussing in each one of these videos i'm presenting a broad context for you to evaluate that's what i'm doing there is no such thing as one truth truth has many shades and colors to it we need to evaluate it from that perspective have a neutral mind about these things Okay. 
what is Rahu doing here? It is sitting in Sagittarius. The governing dispositor in natal becomes Jupiter, going into Gemini in Navamsha, which becomes Mercury. So it's going from Jupiter to Mercury, which meaning in early in life they will be all about learning, teaching, gaining knowledge. In the next half, they will be about intellectually using it for trade, for commerce, for their profession, etc. Ketu, on the other hand, in the first half of the life, it will be detached from the intellectual knowledge. In the second half, it will be detached from the wisdom part of it. So it is going from being very knowledgeable in one kind of way before 36 years of age. And after 36 years of age, it will become a different kind of person. This is that flip of personality itself. This is why you might find in your friends and family circle, some people flip after certain years. You go and see them, meet them. You don't recognize them. Like you're not the same person anymore. How have you changed so much? You're completely like an opposite personality to what you were before 36 years of age. This kind of axis will define that, as in the previous ones also we have seen many times. Let us see the second pada. Now in the second pada of Mula, there is a transition. It flips, as you can see, it goes into Mrikshirsha Nakshatra. Now it has gone from Ardra to Mrikshirsha Nakshatra. Mrikshira or Mrikshira Nakshatra is about again searching but in a very tender kind of way. It's not as aggressive in their approach of searching as Ardra is. Mrikshira is a soft Nakshatra. Mrikshira is the gentle one. It's the deer. Okay, think of a deer searching. It's more soft in nature. And it goes into Mula Nakshatra. And it is in Navamsha falling in Taurus Scorpio axis. Remember the two eight, the two fixed signs. So early in life, they might be having a more flexible kind of personality, like wanting to learn things, wanting more wisdom. Because Rahu, wherever it sits, if it sits as a dispositor of Jupiter, it will want to gain more wisdom in whatever it is doing. So early in life, they will be driven towards, I want to acquire more wisdom. I want to learn about my culture. I want to learn about my religion. I want to learn about my faith. I want to learn about higher philosophies of life. I want to read different kind of texts of different cultures, travel to different lands, all such kinds of things early in life. Later in life, they are caught in the Taurus Scorpio axis. The Taurus Scorpio axis, as I have spoken before, is the push and pull between materialistic pursuits and emotional deep understanding of that subject. It's like detachment from material towards emotion and going towards materialistic achievement. That's the push and pull and both are fixed signs, Taurus and Scorpio. So it's a very strong push and pull. Rahu does very well in Taurus because Rahu is a Bhoga Karaka. It wants to achieve material stuff. It wants to have fame. It wants to have money in the bank balance. It wants to have millions. It wants to do stuff in material. So in this axis, later on in life, they might become extremely sharp businessmen of kinds. Okay, they might be success driven, material success driven. Especially you have to watch for Venus because Venus becomes a dispositor in Navamsha. On the other hand, they have to get the wisdom of Scorpio. They need to understand the wisdom of what it means to have emotional depth. Scorpio is about emotional depth. It's a moksha sign, but it's very intensely internal. Deeply feeling emotions. 
that's what Scorpio is in the bottom line. Yeah. So this axis will be about that. Let us see the first pada. In the first pada, this is more of an initiator because it falls in the Aries Libra axis of Navamsha. Okay, Aries Libra is the initiator. Aries is an initiator of one kind, Libra is an initiator for the masses. So both are initiator highly movable signs and they are in the dual sign in the Navam in the natal as well, Jupiter and uh, Mercury, Sagittarius and Gemini. So being in dual signs in uh, the natal chart and as well as being in the movable signs in the Navamsha, these people are the most flexible, open-minded, beautiful souls. They are very open-minded to learning. They want to constantly learn throughout their life. How beautiful is that? They were open-minded. These are truly open-minded people. And they bring the wisdom of Libra in from Rikshira. Nakshatra into the Aries to initiate stuff. So they might be great initiators of new thought, new ideas which bridge an understanding between people. We have seen this many times in the history of our different countries where people rise up from nothing at all. They would never be known before and suddenly they are all over social media and everywhere. They become the influencers, podcasters. They want to give good thought, new thought they are always good at these kinds of things because they are wanting to seek. It's a seeking access, Mula and Ardra and Rakshisha. Seeking to uncover truths. Why do we have to uncover truths? Only if there are lies involved. Only if people are telling stories to serve their own agendas. We know this. We all know this. So this axis becomes the driving force of initiator energy. Wherever Aries Libra falls in Navamsha, think of that as an initiating energy. They are powerful initiators and they will accomplish that. Again, if the Aries uh, dispositor Mars and uh, Libra dispositor Venus are well placed, it will do so even more. They might make it a lifelong profession, especially if it's in the 10th house. It's a whole another story. So next one, we shall be addressing Jeshta. So we will enter Scorpio in 10th sign. Okay, take care, be safe.